Hello and welcome to a special edition of the In the Money Players podcast. This is our Japan Cup roundtable show for 2022. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornatal, back with you in the Brooklyn Bunker. Once again, I should have planned better. I should be wearing a Japanese whiskey shirt. Apologies on that small fail, but I'm sure we'll make up for it over the course of this show. We have established an esteemed panel. We'll start with intros and we'll begin with the man in the, the, the Hollywood Square below me. A very much of a regular on the network the last couple of years, man. I'm looking forward to uh, hanging out with in Tucson in a couple of weeks. You know him from the great work he does up at Woodbine and specifically on the JRA stuff with us. He is Klaus Ebner. Klaus, what's going on? Good evening, Pete. How's it going? Things are good, man. Glad to be doing the show with you and this uh, panel of guests, starting with another man that I met actually in Tucson last year. And he's the, uh, he's the emissary from the home country for the JRA. He's a man who has uh, made it his mission to help explain Japanese racing to folks from around the world. He is Toshi Onokubo. Toshi, what's going on? Hi, Pete. Brilliant to be here. Thanks. And beneath Toshi, you see a man whose work you've read over at the TDN. Been very happy to have, have him be part of the extended In the Money family through his uh, passion for Japanese racing and the work he does with Klaus and the team, Alan Carrasso. Alan, what's up? Hey, Pete. How are you? Thanks for having me. And in the upper right corner, as I look at my screen, a guy we haven't had on, and it's, it's been too long since we've had him on. He's done a fantastic job on the network, as he does uh, covering harness racing, covering the JRA, Robert Reed Jr. Always a pleasure to be here. Listen, I'm in over my head uh, with this <laughs> panel for Japan uh, Racing. So just going to put that out there right now, but I'll try to hold my own. And last but certainly not least, a woman I know from her passion for racing, mostly through social media, get a chance now to work with her for the first time and very uh, excited. She's already helped me uh, to, to, with the, on the technical side, the troubleshooting my limited knowledge and how to, script, how to share screens on StreamYard. She's Alex Henry. Alex, what's up? Hey, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Let's start off with a, a historical question, and I'm going to bring in Toshi for this one. Just for folks that don't know the significance of the Japan Cup, how big of a deal is this race? How far back does it go, Toshi? Uh, it's very big, of course, Pete. You know, you know the first, first international racing in Japan and in the history. And actually, the international you know, participant has been decreased recent years. But, you know, as you might be aware, you know, JRA built new quarantine facility at the Tokyo race course on site. You know, previously you must uh, quarantine at the JRA horse racing school before yep. you going to the racetrack. So quite a few, you know, uh, complained about uh, from the contenders and the connections and, you know, exercise being li limited for the horses before the grade one race. But, you know, it's improved. And this year we got four international runners, you know, three from France and one from Germany. You know, as you know, that's it's been dominated by Japanese horses. You know, last international runner won the Japan Cup was back in 2005, you know, Alcacet. And Ouija board placed year after in 2006. And that was the last international contender to be in fast three in the Japan Cup. But interesting, you know, stats would be, I want to bring is that six times out of 10, you know, last Japan Cups are won by international jockeys. And this year we got nine out of 18 actually ridden by, you know, jockeys are coming from 
outside of Japan, you know, including Christopher Romero as a you know regular rider in Japan. But it is still there, you know, with the international jockeys. We got the you know international aspect of the competition. So and we got four international runners. Very exciting race this year, Pete. It's very cool. I, I will ask another uh, general question or two before we get into the specifics of this year's Japan Cup. And Alex, I'm going to come back to you for this one. I'm just curious. You know, I feel like when we've had the other folks on the panel uh, on the first time they've explained their connections to Japanese racing, how they became a fan. I'll throw that one in your direction. How did you how did you get so into the, the JRA that you're willing to stay up late night here in America and watch week in, week out? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, so I have was actually a huge, I, I was became a fan of racing for my grandfather. Um, he when DRC was open in Detroit. I'm from Detroit, Michigan. Um, we used to go. I was really little um, and just progressed from there. And being a nerd, I love playing video games. And as I know Toshi might know, the best video game to play for horse racing fans is Winning Post. It's a Japanese language only game. And Gallop Racer actually has many more games in Jap Japanese. So I taught myself katakana and just immersed myself in these games and just started diving into Japanese racing. And now that I'm adult and can decorate my house, I have tokens from, from Klaus <laughs> very kindly sending me things. And I just, I love it. It's um, it's truly um, to see the fans too, the engagement um, from Japanese fans um, at the track live. Uh, it's like no other. So I hope to visit someday. <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's my favorite horse racing origin story that, that I've ever heard fan wise, because it combines the traditional trope of the older relative who, who shows you the ropes with this amazing, uh, you know, very postmodern idea. And it reminds me a story of, uh, well, I worked on a book uh, many years ago with uh, with Chris Jericho, the wrestler, and he had described to me a person that he met in Japan who was like a super fan of wrestling who learned English so he could speak to the, the wrestlers. And this is sort of, you know, the, the, that that story in reverse. So I, I like uh, I love bringing that in here, Alex. Thank you for that uh, for that uh, tidbit. Alan, I'll bring you in for a breeding question specifically, as we've seen the, the just the, 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 the bloodlines in Japan just getting stronger and stronger over the years. And we see the Japanese so active at the sales, so many top American broodmares now going over to Japan. What, what are your predictions for the next few years in terms of the bloodstock market and just how strong we see Japanese racing? And, you know, was was... Have these last couple of years been an anomaly or do we expect to continue to see Japanese runners do so well when they go around the globe? Yeah, I mean, I think it's um, it's going to be the norm and, st and not the exception. And, you know, if, if the, the current plummeting of the yen versus the dollar, if that did not stop the Yoshidas and KI farms of the world from buying seven figure mares at, at Keeneland, nothing will. So. I mean, the, the fascinating thing is just how they've taken our our mares bred for the dirt, uh, take Dubai Majesty, for for example, and, and made them these brilliant grade one, group one turf producers. It, it's fascinating. Um, and, and whether it's Deep Impact or Lord Canlore or King Kamehameha, it's just um, they just seem to have the magic potion. So we'll see what happens in the intervening years, but it's been a storyline I've been, I've been following and I, I think is fascinating. And, and I, it's, it's interesting to see like uh, 
cool more and the interest that they have in in some of these Japanese bloodlines going forward. You know, it, it's uh, I think it's a story that will if the if the if what's been happening at the sales doesn't doesn't change for financial reasons, I still think there's going to be a lot happening um, in terms of the, the impact on the world bloodstock market that, that has uh, Japanese uh, elements to it. Robert, you joked before that, you you know, you felt like you were out of depth on this panel. I, you know, we've heard you talking about Japanese racing. We know you as a passionate racing fan and, and somebody who has a, a really good perspective on this, on this product. What is it that you like the most about studying the form of the Japanese races and, and participating in the JRA coverage. Uh, to be honest, it started off as a challenge for me, right? Because I'm, I'm a harness racing guy first. And then obviously North American thoroughbreds. One thing people don't know about me is I love Australian thoroughbreds as well. And I think that's when Klaus kind of came to me and said, he wanted me to approach it from someone who wasn't familiar a couple of years ago. Anyways, uh, you know, wasn't familiar with the Japanese um, racing product and, and kind of start from the, the ground up and, and see if I could, uh, no, be positive and ROI and, and profitable and wagering. So, for me, I, I love the um, first of all the pageantry of, of the uh, of the Japanese racing product. And uh, well, I've also come to love uh, a, a a filly by the name of Sodashi. I mean, everyone loves her. That certainly drew me in even more. And Christophe Lemaire, I'm the president of his fan club. So it's <laughs> uh, it's really been uh, a lot of fun over the last couple of years, and and been able to finally you know start making some money this year as well, playing in the North American pools. They might be a little bit smaller than what, obviously, well, a lot smaller than they have in Japan, but there's a lot of opportunities for value. And that's where I approach it from, right? Is that, um, you know, I've been someone who's been gambling since a long time before I should be gambling, Pete. So, um, you know, I look for value. Uh, I, I try to, um, you know, construct tickets that will uh, be profitable. And, and it's worked out so far this season uh, for me in Japan. And I just hope that uh, trend continues. We're not going to do much on the undercard, but class, I know you did have some interest in some of the two-year-old racing. Maybe we'll actually go there before we get to the the big one. Just for a, a quick thought on, if not horses to bet, at least some some pedigrees or or horses to look out for uh, in the big run-up to the big race. Yeah, so just uh, they have released the card. I think it was this this morning, at least for us here in North America. But uh, some interesting uh, some interesting two-year-olds on the undercard. Uh, you know. The one thing I can say, and I, I know that uh, Alex can vouch, vouch for this, is that um, the Japanese, when in terms of naming some of the horses, you kind of have to wonder sometimes how they got past the uh, the regulator sometimes. Because uh, I know, cause I, know so, I know we had before uh, Love is Bouchette uh, yep. in, in the past. Uh, well, guess what? There's a, there's a horse by uh, the the brilliant mare Egg Drop out of Just Away uh, in the third race, and I'm, I'm I'm sorry, I'm not trying to offend anybody here, but uh, again, I don't know how this happened, but it's a two-year-old colt who's who's called Egg Slut. So um, it's a restaurant chain. It. It's a it's a successful restaurant chain in uh, Los Angeles and Las Vegas. So well, there I, we go. I, okay, all right. So so that one kind of threw me for a loop. But uh, the one I was looking for, and, and it's interesting, you know, how we talked about dirt pedigrees and how they kind of uh, are are uh, kind of emerged or amalgamated into Japanese pedigrees. Well, we also have. Uh, champagne rooms for I think they're either her first or second full. I'm not sure, Alan, if you know that this is her first or second full. But um, Epluchage is is one in here. Damian Lane's running for uh, riding for Sunday racing, and that's a uh, Justify uh, Colt out of Champagne Rooms. That one there is uh, looks pretty impressive. Um, and then also, uh, if you look in race five quickly, there's also a, a horse out of a uh, 
out of Harp Star, uh, who's called Lyra Star. So uh, those of you that don't know, Harp Star was a uh, was a brilliant three-year-old filly, and also um, you know showed, strutted her stuff as a three-year-old filly in Japan. Uh, and this is one by Lord Canaloa. So we, we talked about that kind of all-star pedigree, and that's one here in the form of uh, Lyra Star in the uh, in the fifth race. So um, those were a few I was looking at in there. Uh, there's also one in the in the sixth race. Sorry, not to, not to go on forever here, but. Uh, one who's kind of closely related to uh, to Liz Grassiou, who is a uh, winner of the Tackers of Canaan, also had some wins in Australia. Uh, and this one here kind of is a three-quarter sister out of Epiphania uh, called La Reine des Lys. So uh, interesting. We'll see, we'll see what happens with some of those uh, very well-bred two-year-olds. A lot, of, uh, a lot of very cool angles. I was a big Champagne Room fan, the big uh, upset winner at the Breeders' Cup. It was at Juvenile Phillies several years ago now. But uh, uh, just another good example, as you said, of the, the, the cross-pollination that we see. So we do have PPs available for the big race. I'm going to uh, share a screen and show folks what they look like. Plus, I will come right back to you just to tell people where they can get these PPs if they're unfamiliar with the, with the JRA uh, product. Certainly. So, so these are kind of the uh, the initial PPs, very very rudimentary, uh, that the JRA will provide via the JapanRacing.jp site. Uh, they do have a kind of micro site available for the Japan Cup, so uh, you can check that site out. They'll have a lot of information, a lot of stats, a lot of analysis for the Japan Cup. Um, but most importantly, I can say is that you know we as the you know Japan JRA team slash in the money team will have the actual. Uh, English PPs loaded up on the In the Money site uh, as early as we can uh, tomorrow, hopefully tomorrow morning or tomorrow afternoon, uh, so that customers can can start doing that deep dive into the card. As ever, and also extra analysis and picks over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com that can be that can be checked out as well. So yeah, we'll we'll be we'll be cycling those in and out of the screen as we go. Let's get to the big race, and we'll bring it back to Toshi for for his thought. Uh, at, at first, I, I don't know how far along you are in your process. If you're ready to commit to a final answer, Toshi, but I'll ask the question more generally: Who are some of the runners you think are the most interesting in this year's Japan Cup? Yeah, Pete. I mean, surely this is a very open field this year. You know, we got you know not you know as strong as uh, you know other years this year. I have to admit that. And, you know, we got five individual grade one winners. And as I mentioned, then four international contenders, three of them are grade one winners. Yeah, interesting one would be, you know, Shafriel, of course, the Derby winner from last year. And Daring Tuck, the Triple Tiara winner, they changed the, you know, the jockey uh, from Matsuyama to Tom Marquand, uh, the one of the best jockeys in UK and perhaps in the world. So that's, you know, very, you know, strong decision made by their connection. That's very interesting. And other horse from the international runners, what I would mention is Grand Glory. She finished fifth last year and she came back this year and she's been sold as a broodmare to the Yoshi, one of Yoshida's, you know, Shadai farm. So that's kind of, you know, interesting uh, runners. And yeah, my pick is actually none, none of them. And number 14, Danon Beruga, the three years old, right three raced, grade three winner, run well both in Guineas and Derby, Satsuki Show and Tokyo Yushin. Uh, last time out, he finished in third in Tenno Show uh, behind Equinox. Looks very, very strong horse. And Pantharasa, and two of them finished ahead of him in the Tenno Show is not in this field. So 
it would be the biggest chance for him to become a grade one winner, I believe. Robert, let's bring you back in. You mentioned the, the study you're doing and the, the, the ROI experiments. Is there an angle in particular, maybe a horse you think could be particular value in the in the USA pools that we're going to have here? Or are you just approaching this like you would any other race and uh, trying to find the winner who's going to be acceptable value and go from there? Well, I, I do have a horse that I'm hoping will be value, but I think we've already seen the price shorten up in some fixed odds uh, market. And it's... Um, it's a Tunis, who's a, a, a German horse. I want to ask Klaus's opinion, actually. I haven't spoke to Klaus about this yet. I do actually want to know if he was conflicted uh, when Japan came back to beat Germany. Because <laughs> I know that would it would have been a tough one for him, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, th- th- just to speak on that quickly, I, I thought I, I knew you were going to ask me. So I am wearing a, a Japan uh, soccer jersey right now. And that's uh, because I, I lost a, I lost a bet with my friend in, okay. in Japan. So, uh, so we <laughs> but you're had still a, proudly uh, we, wearing it. I, I'm still very proudly wearing yes. it. I, I do have very many uh, Japan uh, soccer jerseys. So this is one of the one of the ones I grabbed. But uh, I did tell him that you know if if uh, if Germany beat Japan, that he'd have to wear a, a Germany jersey around Tokyo. And uh, <laughs> if, if I if I lost, then I would be wearing this around uh, Toronto. So not as bad for me, but uh, it would have been horrible for him to obviously have to wear it. Yeah, the stakes are not exactly the same in that yeah. uh, in that in that particular no. in that particular wager. Yeah. Tunis is an interesting runner. I mean, and yeah. this was a great story, uh, Klaus, that you sent around to to me and Alan. It was like something. It would be it would be the opening scene in a movie. A horse that was. Purchased by accident, Alan. Did you did you have a chance to read that read through that story? Were you aware of it yeah, already? I, I was. We uh, we actually had a story in our paper as well from Emma Berry, our European editor. But yeah, it's a it's a great story and the and the relation to uh, to Torquato Tasso and all that stuff. I mean, but you know, by a sire uh, whose first name is apparently Rudy. I, I don't know Rudy Giuliani uh, <laughs> out of a mare called Tijuana. So, yeah, but, and it would be a great story. Listen, German Group 1 form has proven to be very strong over the last few years. You look at Alpinista, who won in Germany several times before winning the ARC this year. So, um, so German form is probably better and stronger than it looks on paper. I, I certainly can't rule him out. Yeah, look no I, further than Rebels Romance for an example of that. Robert, what was it that attracted you to Tunis? It, it was exactly that, is that, you know, in everything I read about this horse um, and everything I've seen, uh, he really, again, as long as he takes to the to the ground, which is a lot of the cases with uh, European uh, horses racing in this race, he should be competitive with this group. I mean, the, the trainers high on him. All, trainers are always high on their horses. I get that. But everything he said about um, his workouts, uh, uh over uh, in, in Japan right now has been positive. Uh, he's got a jockey. Uh, he's actually from Ka- uh, Kazakhstan, who's a champion rider uh, in Germany. Uh, but but really, every the, the knock that I see is is exactly what was just mentioned. Is that a lot of people don't think that German form holds up in these spots, but I think it actually can uh, and will if he does uh, just take to the surface. And when I looked at the um, the market right now and what projected odds will be, I think him at around sixteen to twenty to one again hoping that we get that uh, is a lot more attractive than many of the other horses in the race. I, I do lean to Vela Azul as, as probably a top choice, but again, from a value perspective, it's Tunis for me. And uh, I think this might be the year that the Europeans get back in the win column. Yeah. Toshi mentioned the recent hoodoo as far as that goes, but Robert bucking the trend, Alex, let's bring you back in for your thought on the big one. Who's going to get the money. 
<laughs> well, I do like Velo Azul. I know Ryan Moore um, will take them out, and he's hungry for a win. Uh, um, did some research, and it seems like he hasn't he hasn't won Japan Cup since 2013 on Gentle Donna. So I'm sure he'd like to uh, get a win in this decade. But um, I actually looked for a, an outside horse, um, number 18, uh, Baccherini, a six-year-old horse. He's been really consistent all year. Excuse me, I'm fighting a cold. <laughs> Excuse my raspy voice, but uh, he's been very consistent. He's been no worse than third this year. Um, he won the grade to uh, Maguro Kanen over uh, firm ground, and it's looking likely they'll get firm ground tomorrow. I don't know if things have changed, um, but he, he's really been consistent and finished second to Vela Azul um, in the grade to uh, Kyoto Daishoten. So I, I think that this one could be sneaky under the radar and definitely would get a price. Alan, you mentioned you consider Tunis a contender, but I'm sensing that you have somebody else who you'd make your top pick at this stage. Where, where are you looking to go? So I, I actually thought that um, Shariar's prep run, some people were knocking it that he was fractionally disappointing. And he's, you know, he's been sparingly campaigned. I was in Dubai for the, for the, for World Cup night. And uh, obviously Japan dominated uh, the entire program, but, you know, he ran a cracking race there. You can forgive the, the Prince of Wales stakes. He just didn't take the Ascot. And then coming back off a lengthy layoff, I thought he ran fine in the tennis show, which was obviously a, a, a race that was run very peculiarly with the Pantalasa breaking off by 15 uh, with three furlongs to race. And, um, you know, Equinox did a fantastic job to, to reel him in. Uh, Dan Ambaluga ran, ran well close off very, very quickly, a sub 33 for the final three furlongs. But I thought Shariar was something like 33 and uh, 33.6 home um, over a distance, I think, is short of his best. So I, I, I would give him the best chance of the locals. I'm actually going to go with Onesto. I, th I think his form is, his European form is extremely consistent. Um, <clears throat> he ran a terrific race in the Grand Prix, Grand Prix de Paris, which incidentally, if he were to double up, the Japan Cup on top of the Grand Prix de Paris, he's in line for a $3 million bonus as one of the quali qualifying races for the Japan Cup. So uh, there's a little extra incentive for him to win. But uh, I thought his race in Leopardstown was great. Uh, he, he was just outgamed by Luxembourg, a uh, horse who, who brought it and came all together on the, on the day for Luxembourg. And you know, he finished 10th in the arc. He probably should have finished 16th. Um, he hated that ground. Just looking at him bogged down there, it, you know, if you could even make him out with the, with the dirt-covered silk. So, uh, you know, the fast ground is is what he's after. I think the 2,400 suits. And he, you know, he was the sixth favorite, I think, when I last checked, around 11 to 1 on the Japanese tote. Uh, anything around that would be fair value for me. Makes sense, and you make a compelling case for him and for Sharyar. What kind of price are we seeing on Sharyar at the moment? He was, I think, third joint, third choice around five to one when I lost. Okay. When I lost so, on, so I can see wanting to reach for Ernesto at what will presumably be a bigger price. Klaus, let's bring you back in for for your pick in this year's Japan Cup. Uh, so. I think, you know, I, I had different opinions uh, before and then after the, the, the draw. So uh, interesting stats, just so everyone's aware, is, is again, not that they mean anything nowadays, but uh, in the past five years for the Japan Cup, gates 9 through 18 
uh, horses that have started out of gates nine through 18 have not finished in the first two uh, in the past five years. So uh, again, it's one of those weird anomalies that it could be uh, important. It could be nothing, you know, um, uh, as Toshi mentioned, I was also on the, uh, on the Dan and Beluga bandwagon for a while there, but once I saw he drew the outside as well as Shariar. So those are the two I was looking at. Uh, and then once the, the draw happened, I was like, I don't know if I want them that far out in the race. So, um, I'm going to a horse on the inside. He's kind of had a, a spotty career in the form of, uh, Welt Reisende. So that actually translates to globetrotting in English, in, in, uh, in English. So, uh, Al and I speak German all the time. So that's what, uh, you know, we can, they have a lot of German name horses in, in Japan too. So it's interesting to see all the time the, uh, the German name horses. But anyways, I, I landed on, uh, Welt Reisende. Um, he didn't have a great race last time out in the, uh, Sanke show, uh, finishing seventh in there behind Geraldine, who came back to win the uh, Kiwi, the, the Queen Elizabeth uh, Cup last week. Um, prior to that, though, he was he did beat her uh, in the uh, Naruto Kinen uh, at Chukyo. So you know he's he's had a, a spotty career, lots of injuries. You know in, in his three-year-old campaign, I thought he's one of the be better three-year-olds. He did finish third to uh, Contrail in the Japan uh, Japan Derby. So um, he's got a great trainer in the form of uh, Yatsutoshi Ike, and then. Uh, you know, I, I just think the post they'll have near towards the inside. Um, you know, he's going to sit fourth, fifth, sixth, and behind horses and, and see if he's good enough. But you know, to everyone else's point, I just think it'll be a bit of a price. And and again, we'll be one of the locals trying to beat uh, the the European imports. Tell folks where the best places they can watch the race, Klaus. We, we mentioned there's going to be extra coverage over on InTheMoneyPodcast.com. Obviously, various ADW outfits will be covering it. Is, is that is that really the best answer, or is, is there? Yeah, is there it, it is, Pete. So you know, obviously, there there may be some options on, on YouTube that I can't uh, subscribe to, but uh, for the most part, yeah, you're watching it through your your ADW platform will be your best bet. Uh, you know, FanDuel, TVG, whatever you want to call it, we'll have it on there. Uh, we'll have it live on their TV network. Uh, but then outside of that, yeah, through your through your ADW platforms to to watch the stream of it. And the scheduled post time. What's the, when's the first race, and what's the scheduled post time for the big one? You're uh, you're putting me on the on the on the on the hook here, Pete. But, uh, <laughs> Somebody have it there. Yeah, yeah. Hey. Um, one. I'm pretty sure it's 140 for the for the big race. 140, 140 Eastern. Eastern right. but not too yep. bad, and pretty easy in the West Coast, uh, honestly. And obviously, the card will start a number of of hours before that. Again, you can check back on InTheMoneyPodcast.com for uh, notes and selections and analysis from the team for for the whole big night. It's one you know it's worth uh, it's worth staying up for and and we hope folks will join in and hey uh, if you're watching on youtube let, leave us a comment let us know what you think uh, tell us uh tell us your winner for this year's japan cup we'd love to get your thoughts and analysis as well it's always fun to get to to root to for, to, to get to you know uh, see what the audience thinks and and interact a little bit so so please feel free to do that and for uh, for bonus credit tell us where you're uh, where, where you're watching from it's always fun to see the global reach of uh, of the stuff we do over here at in the money we're not done yet though i did want to ask one final question of each of the panelists we're getting near the end of the year how about a seasonal highlight something that uh something that really will stick with you from uh, jra racing that happened in 2022 toshi we'll go back to you for for a seasonal highlight for the for 2022 yeah for racing yeah, I was uh, to Tokyo for the Derby, uh, Tokyo Yushin, and Yutakatake is the racing jockey in Japan, you know, won his sixth uh, Derby. That was brilliant. And yeah, I'd like to ask 
this RN as well. But breeding side, you know, we lost Deep Impact uh, a few years ago. But still, he's the top of the leading, you know, sire table. And, you know, the currently we have Epiphania, who's standing for about, you know, 130,000 130, in US dollar. And he, unfortunately, you know, he didn't have any grade one winner this year. He only got grade two winner. That's only graded stakes winner for him this year. You know, who's the next champion sire in Japan? Of course, the Triple Crown winner, Contrary, is waiting. You know, his progeny to run, you know, hit the truck uh, in the Shadai Stallion. But, you know, what kind of, you know, sort Aran has or, you know, other, you know, uh, you know, other people would have uh, in this uh, in this table. So that's interesting uh, thing for me. Yeah, in the that's side. great. It's a great question, and we'll bring we'll go out of order. We'll bring Alan in for that. But yeah, Take, I remember the summer many moons ago. He rode at Del Mar and uh, seeing the flashes of talent. And it's been amazing to see how his career has developed. That's definitely a good one in terms of a, of a, of a seasonal highlight. Alan, what of uh, Toshi's question about the next big sire in Japan? Who, who's ready to to, to fill those shoes. Well, Toshi, you've put me on the spot now. I'm going to have to <laughs> cheat here a little bit. If anybody so, has a thought, you guys all follow. If anybody has a thought, uh, feel free to feel free to chime in and make it more of a conversation as well. I would say Lord I mean, Canaloa for me. You're right. Lord mm -hmm. He has down right. Scorpion this year. Um, he won a grade one mile race. Uh, I think NHK mile, right? For three-year-olds. Get on Scorpion one, yep. And yes. he's had a number of excellent winners like Almond Eye, Saturnalia, Pantalassa. Um, so that's for me. Definitely, definitely making uh, definitely making significant marks with the, with that kind of with that kind of progeny for sure. Alex, we'll keep it with you for your seasonal highlight next. Uh, I think for me it has to be Sodashi uh, winning the Grade One Victoria Mile. Um, a huge fan of hers, and it was just so enthralling at like. 240 at night <laughs> seeing her <laughs> cast my screen so that's it for me <laughs> that's awesome my daughter's favorite racehorse my da daddy is that a unicorn this was an actual conversation we had when i showed her the tape and uh, that would i'd probably uh row in with you on that particular opinion alan how about you highlight wise for the for the year yeah i mean uh just the japanese dominance overseas four in Saudi, five in Dubai. Yeah. And, you know, in four weeks time, it could be more, uh, you know, white flag and, and red circle success in Hong Kong. They sent, uh, they're going to send a team of 14 over there. But I think on the JRA itself, I'm a giant fan of and track U.S. spreads and their performances over there. Uh, Jean Darm is actually headed to Hong Kong. He won the, uh, the sprinter stakes and something of an upset uh, last month. And then um, a five-year-old port of entry mare I follow called Lotus Land. Uh, she just ran actually in the mile championship, but she uh, she came very close to winning the uh, the Takamatsuno Niyakin in uh, in, uh, in March with a strong stinging late run. So I just you know I enjoy following the justifies and gun runners over there, and um, it's always fun for me to see how how well the U.S. spreads perform. Yeah, as an industry person, it's, it's a, that that's cross pollination that we talked about. It's just it's just so fascinating. If you have any kind of interest in in that side of the game at all, Japan's a place you almost have to be paying attention to these days. Robert, you're up next for your uh, 2022 highlight. 
Well, I mean, we've already you know heard world dominance, which I mean, listen, you know, Klaus, like, like I said, he got me into uh, J- Japan racing a couple of years ago. It was a good time, right, to get yeah, involved because able to cash a lot of tickets uh, uh, overseas as well. Um, you know, Sodashi, you know, Alex said that one. So I'll, I'll go somewhere else. And it was just a race that I found incredibly exciting, probably because I needed the horse to get there. And he did. Equinox winning the 10-0 show. Uh, looked impossible. You know what I mean? It was it was a race that, um, you know, I thought there was no hope at the head of the stretch. Um, and then my man Christophe Lemaire got there just in the nick of time. Um, and it was just uh, an incredible performance and, and a real fun race to watch. And I find that uh, about that product, you know, like, you know, I tell a lot of people to stay up late, tune in and, and they watch it and they're always uh, finding it to be a, a really exciting style of racing. And the jockey colony is one that I love. I, I tell people too, if you just bet connections and, and lean on the top jocks, you'll probably do pretty well uh, and wagering on Japanese uh, racing. So, I, I think that the jockey colony and, and, and watching those guys do battle uh, every time uh, they go on the track is something that's really fun for me. Love it. Klaus, how about your highlight? Yeah, um, I think Alan, Alan stole it for me there, but uh, that's all good. Uh, it's really just uh, the performance of the, the Japanese horse in the world stage. Uh, I, I know we're all still hoping for that uh, eventual uh, arc victory for Japan, and uh, we'll get there. Right? We'll get there. We'll get there one year. Uh, I really thought there was, this would be this may have been the year with title holder, but uh, again the uh, the ground just really that uh, I don't know. Uh, I think Toshi, we're gonna have to talk to the Japanese weirds about uh, buying some uh, some long winded mares that enjoy soft ground to uh, to breed to. So, uh, anyways, yeah, that's just uh, for for me again. It's just their dominance uh, outside of Japan and and just you know again it, it just puts a smile on my face when I can get a uh, horse at at twenty five to one that I know is. Uh, a world-class horse and uh, goes ahead and w- wins a uh, wins a race overseas. That's uh, you know you kind of looking at saying why is this horse so long? And I, I I remember for sure, uh, Alan and I were actually talking on uh, on uh, on Twitter, uh, messaging each other quickly when, when the race is going on. And uh, I think in in the B pools, for instance, uh, here in North America, um, Pantalassa was like. 12 to one. And I was like, okay, I'll take that any day of the week. So, uh, it's just those kind of, those kind of day, the events are just really, you know, not, not only cheering for Japanese horses, but also getting to, uh, cash and a few tickets never hurts. So, well, that's, that's certainly a big thing for our audience and, and it's breeders cup like, right. When you've got these big international races and so many competitors, you end up with great looking paper on 12 and 15 and 20 to one shots. And we've seen that from the Japanese contingent around the world. I'm looking forward to seeing what Japan does at next year's Breeders' Cup, assuming with the West Coast locale for the Breeders' Cup again, we'll see much more Japanese competition than we did this year at Keeneland. And I'll just close it off by saying, Klaus, brilliant idea. When you first told me, well, what if we have six people? And I'm like, six people, that's kind of a lot. I had a blast. What a great, what a great thing it is to have so many different perspectives and I think we're going to have to do this again. And, and maybe, you know, maybe at the beginning of the season, we could do something a little bit more evergreen um, to set people up for the JRA season or something like that. We'll, we'll, we'll do that production meeting outside the context of the show. But this is just my way of saying to everybody on the panel how much fun I had and how much uh, I, enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed everything, guys. We'll, we'll, we'll do it again soon. Yeah, and thanks, Pete. Uh, I got to say, though, because as, as, as good as this Japan Cup field is, uh, the way the Arima Keenan shaping up, which is like the year-end championship, the way that feels shaping up this year for uh, for uh, it'll be Christmas Eve for us here in uh, in North America, but um, that that feels looking pretty impressive right now in terms of all the horses aiming for that race uh, in, in, on on December twenty fourth. So uh, Japan Cup's a fantastic race, an important race, but uh, 
if you can you know stay awake for that uh American in race that's gonna be an amazing race in terms of who's uh, who's showing up for that race so we'll stay we'll stay up we'll watch we'll 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 clock Santa Claus we'll have some <laughs> cookies and whiskey I, I'm looking forward to it already and we're gonna have coverage of it here on uh, the in the money media network as well so folks can check back there we are out of time so I will just thank all the guests one more time thank everybody out there for supporting our youtube channel for uh subscribing to us wherever you get your podcast we really appreciate the support of the viewers and the listeners they as i say at the end of every show the you're the what the reason this is so fun to do this show's been a production of in the money media our business manager is breeders cup betting challenge champion drew Cotney. our chief creative officers jonathan kinchin i'm peter thomas fornital May you win all your Japan Cup Night photos.